Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Again, you are listening to the Let's Talk Hemp podcast. I am your host, Morris Beagle. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. Today is episode eight of season four here on the Let's Talk Hemp Volume Up podcast. In this episode, we are talking about the hottest thing in hemp currently and literally, and that is Delta 8 THC. Does it belong in the hemp market or does it need further regulation, warning labels, or moved into the adult use dispensary side next to Delta 9 THC? I will be discussing that and much more with this week's guest, Marielle Weintraub, president of the U.S. Hemp Authority, as well as she wears many other hats in the hemp industry. Marielle is an expert when it comes to understanding FDA regulatory compliance, testing, and product standardization. I want to give a shout out to my episode seven guest, Ray Maki and Jason Freed from Hawaii Nexus Hemp Farms for sitting down and hosting me in person on April 20th and talking hemp in the Hawaiian Islands and the trials and tribulations of the process thus far. If you didn't catch the episode, you can download it and listen to it on demand at your convenience from a number of different platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio podcasts. And now I'm going to get Marielle on the line, and we are going to talk about CBD regulation and the FDA, certification, labeling, the great Delta-8 debate, and much more. No matter what side of the fence you sit, we can all agree that hemp is good for this country. Whether it's the new opportunities it presents for our farmers, the jobs it creates in our communities, the health products that are entering the marketplace, or the positive environmental impact it has on this planet. There are endless reasons to be a friend of hemp. Please join Friends of Hemp today to connect with others who are cheering hemp forward. Visit friendsofhemp.org to learn how you can become a friend of hemp. And welcome back. Here we are on Let's Talk Hemp Volume Up. This is episode eight, and we are going to talk about the Delta 8 debate. And today we've got Mariel Weintraub, the president of the U.S. Hemp Authority, and she's also the director of scientific research and development for Zillis or Zylos? Zillis. Zillis. There we go. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I missed you in Dallas last week when I was out there. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. I really wish I could have been there, but I had my parents come and visit and I really wanted to see them. So, yeah. Well, I get it. And we were out and about and doing public things in venues where a little bit less of a mask situation in Texas than there is in Colorado and other parts of the country right now. Yeah, we're, we're big on our freedom. Yeah, <laughs> freedom. Lots of freedom in Texas. Except when it comes to full legalization of cannabis, there's not freedom there. We're working on it. It may, it looks like it passed the, uh, it looks like I think it was medical passed the house just recently. So it's being worked on. Good. And is that full medical or is that medical that's like 0.5% THC? I don't know the answer to that question. Unfortunately, I'm still focused on hemp right now, but I saw it go through. I saw it on LinkedIn. I follow the, um, the Texas Hemp Coalition that's down here, and they they are pretty outspoken in, in Austin. So that's where I saw that notification go through. Yeah, I follow those guys too. And there's some really good advocacy going on in Texas. So we totally support that. Obviously, we're on the hemp side of things. 
that we support the full legalization and ending prohibition of the cannabis plant. Yeah, I think we all agree with that one. So, So, uh, U.S. Hemp Authority, you guys have been continuing to improve the program. You want to tell our audience a little bit about what the U.S. Hemp Authority does? Uh, Absolutely. So the U.S. Hemp Authority is a self-regulatory organization. We were born out of the fact that uh, FDA wasn't moving particularly quickly with creating regulations. And we wanted to make sure that we avoided what we call a uh, 60 minutes moment. Uh, If you watch the stock market, you realize that all of our companies are basically tied together. We rise together, we fall together. And we were worried that somebody would do something, cause a 60 minute moment and basically ruin the chance for us to ever show what this plant has a capability of doing. Uh, So we created a self-regulatory organization in which we have standards and guidelines. We've created a glossary. uh, And what this includes is a certification program with a third-party independent auditor that goes on site. And if you pass the audit, you are then able to license our seal. And the idea behind the seal is to have an easy uh, identifier on products so that consumers know they can be trusted. So that seal is like a USDA certified organic seal or a non-GMO seal or a kosher seal, any of those other seals that are out on the marketplace. Exactly. So it's closer to the US uh, to the uh, non-GMO butterfly project because that is also a private certification. Right. And a self-regulatory organization versus USDA Organic, which is run by USDA. And you're also involved with APA. And APA has been obviously jumped into the space and trying to help with the situation as they look at hemp cannabis as just another herb. And have they had any influence on the U.S. Hemp Authority at all? So the U.S. Hemp Authority has a technical committee. And we have ever since after 1.0 came out and we wanted more involvement from the stakeholders in hemp. What we also wanted to do was make sure we included those influential trade associations. So we do have someone from APA. Dr. Holly Johnson is on our technical committee. We have someone from CRN, which is another nutritional organization. And then on our board, we actually have a representative from UNPA as well. But I have been on the APA Cannabis Committee for a while. Their cannabis committee, I think, is now 10 years old. So they've had it for a very, very long time. And what we wanted to make sure was that we took into account the knowledge and their history and incorporated it just to make sure that we were being as strong as we could be. I am also a part of the group that helped create the APA hemp lexicon. So you'll, what you will notice is that there are some definitions that are going to cross over between APA and the glossary that you can find in the U.S. Hemp Authority. Well, APA has been out there on the front lines for a long time fighting for the natural products market and going head to head with the FDA. And I'm a fan of Michael McGuffin and, and what he's done for the natural products industry, as well as uh, UNPA. It's been difficult with the FDA who, as my friends at New Hope like to say, or at least Todd does, that they're just an extension of the pharmaceutical industry. How how do you feel about that? I think that at this point, we need FDA. We need a clear (laughs) legal path for CBD and for other hemp-derived cannabinoids and products. 
And I think that without it, we're going to continue to keep bumping up against these state versus federal regulations that all of us are fighting. So in my day job, because U.S. Hemp Authority is all volunteer for me, we are constantly having to reevaluate our labels depending on which state on which date we are selling something in. And it really does cause a lot of hardship on the companies. And I'm hoping that gets recognized. And we really do need FDA regulations and standards in order for us to get over that hump. Right. Yeah, I'm not here just to, to trash on the FDA, but they have made it difficult for our industry the last, oh, yeah. well, since it's got going. CBD is still not considered a dietary supplement, correct? That is correct. And my biggest concern for hemp hemp products, CBD products in 2021, is that this failure of FDA to provide this clear regulatory path is really just threatening the industry because you have some big players that want in. You have people who want to be, and and for the farmers, the big players are, are how they make their money right? You you have large CPG companies that want in and are just waiting. And it's that waiting that's killing some of this industry. But you do have big companies that have taken the plunge now. We saw Barleen's took the plunge several years ago. Uh, Gaia Herbs has now got their line of products. And Gaia is probably one of the biggest natural products lines that's out there, aren't they? I do believe so. And that's absolutely correct. And you have Garden the Garden of Eden, yeah. And also what I'm more talking about is like the Pepsis and the Cokes. And then let's say, you know, there were companies that got in early or big retailers that got in early that are still only selling topicals because that's the only thing they feel safe selling. There are some that are moving to more ingestibles, but I think we would have a much bigger marketplace to sell in had the FDA already rolled out these regs. I agree. And hopefully... Hopefully we'll get there this year or next year. Do you have any idea, any thoughts, feeling the temperature? I would hope. I have high hopes for this year, for all the push that's happening, for all the work that's being done, for all the lobbyists out there who continue to work on HRA 41. I have some high hopes out there for this year. So how does this U.S. Hemp Authority certification seal, how does that provide consumer confidence? If I'm a consumer, I see it. Why should I be confident? Sure. Our main goals are to make sure that there is truth in labeling and transparency of process and product. Right now, because there is no FDA oversight, we want a way for people to recognize that products are being looked at, that they're being scrutinized, that C of A's are being checked, that testing is being done, that standards are being met that there is some sort of oversight. And right now, because there isn't FDA oversight, it's the self-regulating organization, it's US Hemp Authority that is actually providing that oversight, making sure people are using what are called fit for purpose testing methods. And in that case, what you don't wanna do is let's say you have a hemp product and you send it to be tested, you don't want people using testing methods that were developed for water, let's say, in a product that's made of oil. You won't get your correct answers. And what we want to make sure people are doing is that they're testing properly, they're testing at labs that are accredited to test, and that they're labeling properly and not just making things up. (laughs) 
not just using medical claims that they know they're not supposed to be using. We want to be honest, we want to be fair, and we want to be truthful with our consumers. That certainly makes sense. And you guys are now on version 3.0. What is different about this version than 2.0 or 1.0? You come a long ways the last couple of years. We really have. I think some of our biggest strides happened between uh, 1.0 and 2.0, and then 2.0 to 3. So we added the technical committee. And in that case, we added a lot more information when it came to farming, for testing for farmers to support the farmers. Uh, in the beginning, we got a bit of pushback when we started to tell farmers that they should probably be testing their soil for pesticides because that's expensive. But what we wanted to make sure that they realized was that if they grow in subpar soil, that will show up in the products and they won't be able to sell their product. They won't be able to sell their harvest. We also made sure in 2.0 to 3.0, I think was actually more important is what we didn't change. You still can't use GMO hemp you still can't use synthetic cannabinoids. We want to make sure we're support, we are supporting the farmers in this process. The only reason we have the farm bill is, and the reason we have hemp is because of them. So we want to make sure people aren't using synthetic cannabinoids, which are actually, it looks like they're becoming more banned and banned, more banned across the, the state. We also made a, a section for brand owners. We wanted to make it easier for people to get this deal who are using farmers and manufacturers who are already certified. If it's less work on our end, and what it does is it actually takes your supply chain and assures the entire supply chain. And so we wanted to make sure that wasn't changed. We also made it a lot shorter. So it doesn't take quite as long to read it because we did it, we did condense it down. And at the very beginning, we actually put a summary of what we were trying to accomplish and really explain to people what the hemp authority is there for. And other than that, we also updated some of the glossary. So we made definitions clear. What is broad spectrum? What is full spectrum? If you find those on the front of the label, this is what you should expect in your product. We wanted to make products easier to buy for consumers. In regards to synthetic cannabinoids versus naturally occurring, and this leads us into the D8 thing that we're going to get into here. Now, obviously, there's some naturally occurring D8 that's in hemp. But the D8 that is on the market is all being converted. CBD is being converted to D8. Now, does that in turn make this a synthetic cannabinoid? So the reason we, so we, we came out with a, a press release where we don't approve, we will not certify Delta 8 products. The question is, what is the difference between a synthetic cannabinoid and a naturally occurring one? That's a really, really rough question for us. <laughs> But it's because, quite honestly, the naturally occurring cannabinoids are all actually occurring in their acidified forms. So when you're growing a plant, we're all taking these, you know, THCA, and then it's converting to THC, CBDA, converting to CBD. And that will happen naturally over time or with heat. But because we are causing that change, there are some people saying that that is also a synthetic conversion. And we are disagreeing with that. Okay. Um, what we are not doing is adding harsh chemicals in order to force the creation. Okay. So we can do it with heat and time. We don't need to add, let's say, really, really, really rough acids that are not only going to create delta-8, 
but also create a hell of a lot of Delta 9 while you're doing it. Okay. So there's this fine line between synthetic, so completely made in a lab, and then kind of this forced change, I guess. And so that's where we're going we're gonna to lose some people. But it's also why we wanted to point out the fact that we are paying attention to how the products are marketed. And with the Hemp Authority, we won't certify intoxicating products that have been marketed for their intoxicating effects. But that's not new for us. That's been there since 1.0. We came out with this press release because we wanted to make sure people recognize the fact that Delta 8 can have an intoxicating effects. And what scares me is the fact that these products with their effects don't necessarily have warnings on their labels. And quite honestly, I feel like Delta 8 defies the intention of the Farm Bill, where we got the Farm Bill passed on the concept that hemp is not intoxicating. And so this is why we get worried and this is why we took the stance we did at the very beginning before this Delta 8 craze, where we don't certify intoxicating products. We just had to point out the fact that we also, and that includes, is basically what we pointed out, the Delta 8 products. Right. Well, we've been saying for decades as hemp activists and advocates that hemp will not get you high. Hemp is different than marijuana. You can smoke telephone pole worth of hemp and you're not going to get high, which I don't think is necessarily the case these days with all the smokable flour that's out there. That's obviously another gray area. But I think that smokable flour is hemp if it isn't below or if it isn't above 0.3% and that goes to 1%, that would be great. But, you know, the Delta 8 thing is definitely something new for our industry. And it was never the intention of the farm bill to have this product that can get you high as hemp derived. Right. And I think what I think is interesting and where, where I think Delta 8 really may have come on strong in this market is basically a response to the devastation that occurred pre-pandemic. And then, so we had that market crash. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's still occurring because then, you know, we're looking for new streams or people are looking for new streams of revenue post-pandemic. But where I have my reservations is the fact that this product is primarily made up of an intoxicating cannabinoid. It's being sold under the guise of legal hemp. And this is all while we're still waiting for FDA to release a clear path for hemp-derived cannabinoids that are non-intoxicating. And I think that could really undermine like the hard-fought efforts to secure FDA regulation that's been going on for years. I completely agree with you. There's all this excess material in the market that people are setting on, and the CBD market is flooded. And it's like, hey, we can convert all this to another molecule that and market it and make some money. And they've done that. And hats off to them. It's not like other ag crops haven't taken waste material, other compounds and converted them to something that was really never the intention of what that main ingredient is going to be or the main use of that plant. So it's just innovation. But CBD is psychoactive just like caffeine is psychoactive, but it doesn't get you intoxicated. Right. There's a difference. Some people get mad at me when I use the term intoxicating, but I get mad at them when they use the term psychoactive in the wrong way. Everything that affects your brain, be there 
positively, negatively, in a intoxicating way, in a hallucinogenic way, those are all psychoactive. So the only way to really explain the effects of let's say delta nine or delta eight is with the term intoxicating. And I'm waiting for someone else to give me a different term to use if that's not the term of choice. Euphoric is another term that floats around, but I think intoxicating or euphoric. Delta eight certainly is that. And as an event producer and somebody that organizes some of the largest hemp events in the world, we've always come at it that, hey, this is hemp centric. We're not on the medical or the recreational adult use side. Everything that we do is non-intoxicating. And then all of a sudden I've got exhibitors showing up with these products that are intoxicating and selling them out of their boost to people coming through at the trade show, then it puts me in a situation where that was never my intention. I got into this to sell textiles and packaging and paper and building materials and food and nutrition and then dietary health supplements. But this is going over into what I would consider is the adult use market and the medical dispensary market. And I don't think that Delta H should be illegal by any means. I think that there's certainly uses for it. There's plenty of medicinal uses, I believe, if it's produced safely. But where is it going to end up? It, and I believe it will probably end up on on the other side of the fence from where right. we're and at right now. I, I am with you. I think there are over 100 cannabinoids. We don't have enough information on most of them. I have seen some really interesting clinical data about Delta H and its future uses. But I do think that because it does have these intoxicating effects, it could probably use either some label warning language or follow the same path Delta 9 does and be sold right next to it and out of the dispensary. It's only the fact that right now it's being sold under the guise of hemp that it's concerning. Sure. I don't see the FDA regulating this anytime they they got to get cbd and everything else regulated so i do i do believe that this is muddying the waters and it's also keeping the dea in the hemp industry when we've wanted them to be out for such a long time and here's just an excuse for them it's like hey this was never intended and you've got all these people that are quasi bad actors moving this product into the marketplace and it's just going to keep those guys in our industry longer than we want them in here. Right. So I think our, our main goal is to have a legal market according to FDA and for hemp and hemp derived products. And I think the way we are able to complete that goal is by continuing to tell people that hemp is not intoxicating and that it is a wellness product and making sure that FDA understands that there are good actors, that we want our industry to survive, we want our businesses to survive, we want our consumers to stay safe, and that we recognize the the importance in all of that. Right. I agree completely. What are your biggest concerns for the hemp industry moving throughout this year and, and into 2022? My biggest concern is the fact that FDA hasn't moved yet. We still don't have that regulatory pathway It's restricting available sales channels for the industry. And in addition to FDA, we also have these other regulatory agencies that are popping up, like 
um, not popping up like we didn't know they were there, but throwing in these extra regs, so USDA and DEA. And what scares me is that their changes may erode some of our hard-earned consumer confidence. But then again, it's also what makes the U.S. Hemp Authority and having that self-regulatory organization so important right now. Because that is my biggest concern is that with the failure of FDA to come in and regulate, we still have bad actors. We still have people making medical claims. We now have the FTC getting involved because they want to make sure these medical claims aren't being made. And we almost keep hurting ourselves. So our industry needs to work together as opposed to making it harder on each other. And again, I will completely agree with that statement. But on the flip side, what are the biggest opportunities you see and what are you most excited about for 2021 and 2022? So I really have a lot of hope for FDA this year. I hope I'm not wrong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I really do have a lot of hope. We have seen some innovation. I have seen a lot more movement on the fiber and the building and the floors and the guitars. And I mean, look at the room behind you. I know people can't see it on a podcast, but I mean, it's incredible what you can do with hemp as a fiber. So that is what I am looking forward to. I think people are getting, the technology is getting better. The genetics of the plants are getting better. And I think we have a long road ahead of ourselves, but I think it's an exciting road. And I love the fact that what we have done in the hemp industry has seemed to pour out where you see more companies getting B Corp certified. You see more companies caring about the sustainability or or the recyclability of their products. So I think our industry has done a ton of good. I also hope we can give ourselves some of that credit. I don't know if you saw this, that Amazon's requiring C of A's on their supplements. It was the hemp industry that did that first, where we want to share what's not in our product or what is in our product because we're proud of it. And so I think we have a lot to be excited for in the future, but we really do need that FDA approval to exist in that food, beverage, cosmetic market. Speaking of Amazon, it seems that they've also got additional interest in the hemp industry from packaging and so forth. Those guys obviously have a big footprint out there environmentally, and they're being forced to look at how they can become more sustainable and how they operate their business. And hemp is part of that equation. And I think that they've recognized it. Well, I know that they have because they're talking to some companies in the hemp space about creating materials that can green up their business model. So that's exciting. Yeah. So I think I think we have just hit the tip of the iceberg when it comes to cannabinoids with what hemp can do. And so I'm excited to see how technology enhances what we can make, the innovation that's happening right now. So I think that's all very, very positive. And that we just need to keep moving forward. We need to protect our companies. We need to protect our consumers. And then we'll all be able to survive and thrive. Thank you for everything that you've been doing and heading up the Hemp Authority and working with the Roundtable and and what you're doing for your own company. And I know that you come from a background of working with... um, Testing background. Yeah, the testing background with Eurofins. Yeah. Originally Covance and then Covance was bought by Eurofins. So right. Because that's when we met because you were at Covance and then Eurofins acquired you and we were working with Eurofins. And and uh, yeah, we've known each other for I don't know, five or six years now. Yeah, it's been, it was, it's been a fast five years. <laughs> it been. But we're still 
trekking along and making progress. And, and I'm hopeful for the future. I see the big picture. And I think that we're moving beyond this cannabinoid only type of business. And it's becoming more of a, a whole plant utilization with the fiber and the grain and flour will be its own thing. And I just see tremendous opportunity down the road if we can get the U.S. Well, we've got the USDA pretty much on board. There's tweaks and stuff that need to be there, but the FDA certainly is the key. And I hope you're right that they act this year and allow us to, all right, here's what it's going to be. Now we know, and then we can just move everything in that direction. Right. Totally agree. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what else happens and what occurs. I was looking the other day and you can see hemp flooring as opposed to wood flooring. Um, I saw someone making Frisbees. I think it was on the iHemp site of some sort. They're going to make Frisbees for us for Southern Hemp Expo. And I am super looking forward to Southern Hemp Expo. So I did not get to attend NOCO. I heard nothing but positive things from that event. But I am, I think I am no problem. I don't think anything's going to be able to hold me back from SHE. Because that actually, I love NOCO, but I've always had the most fun at SHE. And I don't know why, but maybe it's just the name. But I'm looking forward to, to definitely getting to go to that one this year. Looking forward to having you again and seeing you again. And maybe I'll see you in Texas before... I see you in Raleigh. We'll see. Yeah. Let me know. I love that all my hemp friends are ending up in Texas all of a sudden. This is great. Well, <laughs> freedom. Like we yeah. said before. <laughs> freedom and a whole lot of farms down. There's a lot of growing down going on down here. And we were worried about the freeze, but it, it looked like hemp, hemp is resilient. So I think Texas can lead the fiber market here in the United States. If, if things go, if, if Texas wants to jump on board and say, hey, we're going to dominate fiber, you certainly can. I, you grow seven and a half million acres of cotton. Why can't you add hemp into that rotation and grow millions of acres of hemp and for textiles and building materials and bioplastics and oil and gas industry ingredients to help clean up their mess. So there's a lot of opportunity down there. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to see you down here. If not, I will definitely see you at Shea this year. So. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to leave the audience with today? No, other than actually, there is one thing I want to clear up, and it has to do with the U.S. Hemp Authority. Okay. A lot of people think that we are certifying companies. We actually certify products from those companies. So there are companies that are going to have both hemp extract products, CBD products. They may also have Delta 8 products. The products that are certified, we are updating our website so that we can actually list the, the certified products versus this being a concept that the companies are certified. Um, we do want people to recognize that, I mean, like even Zelise, we don't just make hemp products. We also make dietary, uh, like dietary supplements, mainstream vitamins, things like that. Those won't be hemp authority certified, even though Zelise is certified. Okay. And so we want to make sure that we separate the fact that the company is not certified, the products are. So as soon as we get that website up, I will let you know. Perfect. Well, that's a good clarification. Throw that one out there. So I appreciate your time, Morris, and thank you for having me on your podcast. All right. Well, thanks for being on here. It's always great to talk to you and keep doing what you're doing. The third annual Southern Hemp Expo is now open for exhibitor and sponsor registration. This year's event will take place at the Convention Center in Raleigh, North Carolina on September 2nd through the 4th, where we will have three days of conferences, seminars, and workshops, 250-plus exhibitors, and numerous networking and entertainment opportunities. For more information, check out southernhempexpo.com. 
And that is going to wrap it up for episode eight of Volume Up, the Let's Talk Hemp podcast. And I again want to thank my friend and colleague, Marielle Weintraub from the U.S. Hemp Authority for joining me on this episode. You can find out more about that organization at www.ushempauthority.com. Be sure to check out our website at letstalkhemp.com and subscribe to our weekly Let's Talk Hemp newsletter for the most up-to-date information on the hemp industry. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the player, share it with your friends and family, and if you feel in it, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you came across the show. If you are interested in sponsoring, advertising, or being a future guest, drop us a message to info at letstalkhemp.com. And until next time, we'll catch you on the other side. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.